So, we are continuing our series on God at work. And today's theme uh, within that is God sees. Okay, simply put, I could sum this up for you right now and the message would be over. Okay, um, God sees your heart. That's what matters. Keep it true. God sees your heart. That's what matters. Keep it true. Okay. <laughs> Best message I've ever given, right? Yeah, you don't get out of it quite that easy because I like to talk, if you haven't noticed. Um, we just heard from Fern uh, that adaption of 1 Samuel 16. Um, today's full reading um, is 1 Samuel 15:34 through 16:13. I think I got that right. Um, I can't remember the exact. <laughs> I didn't write that one down because I thought I'd know it. Um, and basically, it's the anointing of King David, David to be the king of Israel. So it's a kind of, I'm anointing you, but I'm anointing you for something in the future because Saul is still king. And when, when Samuel gets there, he's kind of a bit surprised. He's a bit surprised because he walks down that line. It's like, and God's like, no, no, uh, it's not this one either. Nope, nope, not that one. Keep going. And he gets to the end and he's like, do you have another son? Maybe? Um, and that's... That's where we get. God is not looking at that outward appearance. And Samuel is seeing all of David's brothers and how great they are, how strong they are, how, how beautiful they are. And, and God's like, no, we've made that mistake already with Saul. The tallest man, still a pretty man, a man that the people are going to look to. And God is dejected. It's the best word I could think I can come up with, with the way that Saul has gone. Because Saul has walked away from God. He's not listening to the people that God has put around him. He's not actually being the king that God wanted him to be. He's not being the king that the people need him to be. And so because of that, Samuel's been called to Bethlehem to anoint David to become the king. And there's lots of stuff happens before he becomes the king, and some of that we'll touch on next week and in the weeks to come. But right now, and if you remember last week, we talked about that need from the people to have a king. And Samuel's upset by that need. And he's saying, look, God is your king. You don't need another king. But they want someone to follow. So the outward appearance kind of mattered. Because people are fickle that way. But, but God's looking at the heart. And right now he realizes with Saul that there's been that, that, that error of way that Saul's heart wasn't quite where it should have been and has, 
has left maybe the, the way that he was thinking he would go and power's got to him maybe a little bit and he's now not quite in line with what God is asking him to do. He's gone his own way. And Samuel ends up at Jesse's house. And as I was thinking about this through the week, I've had many, many distractions this week. Um, And particularly on Friday, as I tried to put all of my musings for the week together in a single thought, um, I was inundated with the need for attention. So last weekend, my wife, um, with my help, decided to uh, rescue a feral cat who was a little bit, looking a little bit worse for wear. Um, We have a cat. I am not a cat person, but I do love my cat. I'm going to say it. We call her Nippet. Uh, Nippet is a female Ewok from Star Wars. Um, And this other cat is the spit of her. And so we called her Teppin. Just the reverse of the name. And um, we've been feeding Teppin for a while. And then she looked a bit scrawny. So we thought maybe something's wrong. So we got her, we took her to the vet, we made sure she was all right. It turns out she had babies. Now she's a pretty cat, but she's wild. She's got a temper. I seem to be attracted to pretty females with temper. Um, So I, I have got a soft spot for her. And we found her kittens, five boys. And they're all living in my guest room right now. Okay, we've got someone coming later today to take one of them, maybe two of them. If anyone here wants to have a kitten, talk to me afterwards. Um, At the moment, they're tentatively called Stormy, Snowy, Spots, Stripes, and Sandy. Okay, and I joked that we had S Club 5 as as a kitten boy band, but my wife said no. So all these distractions, okay? That's six cats, plus my cat, plus my two dogs, plus my two kids, all running around the house, doing the things they do and needing the attention they need while I'm trying to put this message together. And my point in all of that is that God saw my heart. God saw that when something or someone is in need, I'm kind of going to respond to it. That's how we ended up with our cat. It walked into our backyard, hurt. And I was like, okay. If it wasn't hurt, I'd told the kids we couldn't keep her. But it was hurt, it needed me. And some of you might not be able to relate to that when it comes to an animal. Some of you really will. I'm looking at Pastor Karen right now. (laughs) She jokes, I now have two cats, one inside, one outside. They're both inside right now, but one will be leaving very soon. Um, But maybe you've had a child. Maybe you've got a spouse who needs you sometimes, right? Maybe you've got an elderly parent, and you'll understand the kind of things 
I'm talking about, the need that someone has for you. Um, how you invest in that relationship and in the, in the need that comes from that. You know, my investment this week has been incredibly financial, <laughs> incredibly emotional, and very physical. <laughs> um, but my character to help those in need was the thing that just drew me really into what I'm going to kind of talk about today in connection with David. Um, and that need, right? If you've got that relationship and there is someone or, or something that is craving for your attention, how do you respond to it? How do you, how do you respond to that need? Um, my kids are great, but they really do crave attention, right? Look at this, Dad. Look at this, Dad. Come and watch this, Dad. Can we, can we watch this together, Dad? You know, I want, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. And even if it's just two minutes of your time that you need to stop, and I had to do this many times on Friday, if you had to stop and go and spend that two minutes, what do they take from that? Well, they take that you see them. They take that they matter to you. That, that you love them. You are showing your love for them out of your action. And the same goes for those pets, right? When they moan. I saw a great meme the other day. Um, it was a cat. And it says, when you meow for food and your owner comes back and responds with so many grammatical errors. <laughs> and I'm guilty of that. You're like, oh, meow, meow, meow. And they're like, just give me my food. And you don't, you don't, you don't do what they want. Um, but connecting with them, engaging with them, giving them time, it's all about what comes from within us. It's how has God made us to respond to others in that relationship, physically, emotionally, financially, intellectually. As the kids get older, that becomes a much, much uh, uh, important aspect of raising a child or engaging with your spouse or your elderly parents as you glean from them and you give them as well some advice when they don't necessarily know what they're going to do with a doctor or with the house or, or wherever you feel and find yourself in life right now. You change a person's world when you give them these things. You're telling them that you see them. You're telling them that they matter to you and that you love them. Right? People and animals pick up on this. And it's great Words can go only so far. It's actions that back up those words. Um, but they're not necessarily the things that are perceived to be the most valuable in our world today. You know, what is the most valuable thing in world today? How we look, our portfolio, our resume, our muscles, the sport that we play or the sports team that we follow. 
here's something I want for you all to ponder. Why not start to allow those things to subside and to seriously consider that someone, someone matters simply because they've been created. No other reason. They matter because they've been created. Right? They have been created in the image of God. And Samuel learned that lesson in our reading today. He lamented over Saul, yes. And that previous experience of anointing a king that didn't work out has maybe clouded his judgment, his ability to, to see what God has been doing, to see what God is up to, to see what God's wanting to do next. And that is until it's spelled out to him clearly. And that surprise at walking down that line, at that no, 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 well, what, what am I doing here then, God? Why, why? Why aren't you picking this guy? He's clearly ideal to be king. And God's like, no. The outward appearance, that's not what I'm considering. I'm considering the heart. Does that mean David wasn't beautiful? No. He was muscular. He was tanned. People were like, hmm. Right? He walked past them. You noticed him. So it's not like God said, no, we're just going to pick the smallest person from the smallest place and they're not going to, you know, no. He didn't care about how they looked. It just turns out that David happened to be a pretty boy. Um, so God is on the move. God is doing this new thing in Israel. And that's something for us to always hold on to and to realize here that God does that now, right? He is always looking at your heart. He doesn't care what you look like on the outside, whether you've got long hair or short hair or a combination of the both or no hair at all, right? He doesn't care. He, he wants to know what's in here, what's in here. See, When we concentrate on what's in here and we let God see and we relate with God and we develop that relationship with him, then we get to see more of what he is doing. Because not only does then our heart align with his, but as our heart aligns with his, so then do our ears and our eyes because they flow from our heart. We get to see all the wonderful things God's doing. We get to go to all the wonderful places that he leads us, to meet the wonderful people that he wants us to either help or be helped by. And in the eyes of a child, in the activities of a family, as we sit with our brothers and our sisters of the church, as we rescue stray animals together, God sees what we're doing and he sees the why we're doing it. He always knows what he is doing. 
Can you put your hand up and say you always know what you're doing? Align your heart with God's heart and allow him to lead you because he always knows what he's doing. And therefore, as you follow him, you will always know what you're doing. God has regret over Saul. Scripture tells us that. He regrets putting Saul in the seat of the king. But did it stop him from, from the, the big picture? No. He still wanted to redeem the people. He still wanted the people to be his people. And so he needed a king who was going to connect that together, who was going to have, as Scripture tells us, a heart after God's heart. Right? Did David do everything right? No. Did David make big mistakes? Yes. But always he returned to God. Always he went back and he said, okay, I need to, I need to get this bridge fixed. My heart needs to be connected to your heart, God. Saul was caught up in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that wasn't quite right. And, you know, I said it before, he maybe got a bit, a bit corrupt by power. Have you heard that, that phrase, power corrupts? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah? And that's kind of where Saul's finding himself. In a similar way, if you think last week, when we looked at Samuel's sons and how they kind of went to the side. Eli's sons the same and how they would look out for themselves and not necessarily the people. Power corrupts and it gets in the way. And I've said David wasn't in any way a perfect person because that doesn't exist. But what does exist is the fact that he would sit down and he would say to God, my heart is yours. I'm going to do whatever I can to soften it. Because if it's soft, you can mold it. But if it's hard, as Saul's heart had become, then God's got to chisel at it. And that's not something God wants to do because he doesn't force us into anything. He wants us to come to him and be moldable. So a question for you really is, how is your heart today? Are you allowing God to shape it? Are you walking in a way which will align those heartstrings, which will allow um, the desires of his heart to become the desires of your heart? God wants more than anything for us as human beings to see him. But he wants us to know that he sees us. He sees you. You matter to him. He loves you. There's nothing, nothing at all that can stop that love. 
okay? We can, we can constantly start thinking, you know, oh, I didn't do anything to deserve God's grace. Isn't that great? But at the same time, we're like, oh, no, I did that terrible thing. God doesn't love me anymore. I mean, they don't go together. Yeah, you didn't do anything to receive his grace. You can't do anything to lose it. Okay? You can't do anything to lose it, but you've got to live within his love. You know, Jesus says the law is perfect. Are we guided by the law? No, we are guided by grace. But that doesn't mean we don't have to make the effort to live the law. Because the law, Jesus came to fulfill, not to abolish. So it's inside, as it works its way out of us. This grace that we've received compels us to be gracious to others. The love we've received compels us to love others. Okay? And as Jesus said to his disciples, it comes to my mind, um, how do you do that? How do we work out what's inside? How do we get rid of the good, the bad, and the ugly and let other people see it? Because Jesus called his disciples to show the world his love. And that was how they would be known as disciples, because of their love for one another. Okay? So it's not necessarily how you love out that will show Jesus, but definitely how you love in is going to show the world all about Jesus. And we're going to listen to a song in a few minutes that really talks about unity. Unity in the faith, our brothers and our sisters, and how we have to be connected, how the church is the body of Christ, how we are one family. It matters how we are seen by those who do not know Christ, how we react and interact with each other. And that's at work with a believer that you might disagree with. There might be a, theolo a theological difference. But put that to the side and concentrate on the fundamental of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. If you can agree that and you can turn to him and say, Lord, I repent of all I have done. Make me new, I believe. You're in the family. And if you're in the family, I don't have to like you, <laughs> but I do have to love you. And I say that all joking because my sisters, they know I love them, even when I don't like them which when I was growing up was often. Um, but how do we do it? How do we show love to our neighbors, to our brothers and our sisters? Galatians 5. The fruits of the Spirit. That's how you allow it to work through you 
So which one of those do you struggle with the most? Which one of those are you being called to work on? Where are you being called to really invest and try? Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. God wants you to know that he sees you. He wants you to know that you matter to him, that he loves you. And in all of that, he asks that you, in turn, allow that to flow through you to others. Imagine him filling you up with all of those gifts, with all of those fruits. And as you walk out of here, you are so full that you were leaving a trail behind you. What a mess. <laughs> right? But don't worry about the mess, because God is filling you to make a mess. He wants you to make a mess wherever you go. Because if you are pouring out everywhere you go for other people to walk through, then think of all the blessing that they are receiving. Okay? God loves you. You matter to him. He sees you. How are you responding to that? How are you allowing others in the faith and outside to pick up on what it is that is driving you, on who it is that is driving you? Let's be united. Let's stick together and let's share the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ is died, Jesus Christ is risen, and Jesus Christ will come again. So I invite you all to probably sit for this next song. It's a, a, an original written by our very own Lee Thomas. And sing along by all means quietly as you sit and reflect on the words. If you're at home, just really be washed by these words. It's, the lyrics are amazing. Um, I was almost in tears listening to them earlier this week when I heard them for the first time. Just be blessed by it and respond to these words of unity and togetherness as we share the gospel in this world as one church. Let's have a listen.
We were born. 